Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Masks and Rothatip in our Kenyan chapter. As we like to do before the show, we'd like to thank you, the listener, and especially you, the Patreon supporter. If you've not had a chance to check out what we offer on Patreon, you can over at patreon.com slash the Old Ways Podcast. Jump over to YouTube, follow us over there at the Old Ways Podcast, and check out some live content, some of which include players at this very table. And now... I would like to get to cast introductions to my right. This is Tiffany, and I play Maeve O'Shea, and, um, oh yeah, we got the band back together. You absolutely 100% did get the band back together, and now you're sort of just like just like a traveling band. You're sleeping in a flop house somewhere, and the city is burning all around you. To Maeve's right. This is Morgan. I play Lillian Lane, and Maeve and Sam are dead. I know, right? That's small favors, right? Uh, at the end of the table. This is Jake. I'm playing Jack Doyle. And I think we've just about worn out our welcome here in Nairobi. Just about. Just about. Just about. Very good. Uh, and uh, to Jack's right. Uh, this is Lonnie and I play Robert Drummond and uh, uh, a hunting we will go. It does seem like it's about that time. We are in the missing Sigmund Tottenbach formation for this episode. But we know that the doctor is resting and relaxing after an arduous task of trying to keep Sam's guts inside of his body. Last, but most certainly not least. Uh, this is Alex playing Sam Below, who uh, thinks it's adorable that uh, Jack thinks that we were ever welcome in Nairobi. I tend to agree. We're going to raise the curtain on a early afternoon in Nairobi at the outskirts of the city, where several sleepy investigators are finally going to wake up. Not because the police are knocking on their door, not because there's a riot or a mob outside, but because the humidity of the day has arrived. And so you wake up sort of in a soup. The rain outside, which at one point was very pleasant and calming, has picked up. And for you, Jack, you wake up to the steady, almost machine-like drumbeat of water on your head, tapping on your head from a, a leak in this roof. That's perfect. It's worse. There are several leaks in this room, and some of them are, well, some of them are just a little too much. So most of the investigators, when they wake, some of their clothes are wet. Have you ever been outside camping and had a tent leak? Mm -hmm. Literally the worst. So yeah, you um, peel yourself off the floor and off your bedding. Ugh. 
Okay, we've got to we've got to do something here because we can't we can't live like this. <laughs> no, you certainly can't, uh, especially because there's no food in this house. Mm-hmm. There is likely no running water, and it's not like the investigators brought with them a stockpile of rations or water, which means all of you are waking up probably a little thirsty. So it's sort of this weird confluence of feelings for you, right? You're thirsty, yet you're wet. And you're probably now a little hungry. Um, All of the rest of the investigators are awake, by the way. So feel free to interact in the wonderful investigator soup that you're in. About the Kenya weather, huh? Yeah. Need to uh, get some uh, supplies, decide what we're going to do, and get out of here. Well, some of us could go rustle up food and water or whatever it is we're drinking. I plan on going to get us the gear we need to hit the bush. This ain't the first time we're going to be wet. Yeah, you're probably right. We're going to make sure that some people, or at least someone stays close by in case uh, Kenyatta's man shows up. I can wait here. Okay. Is there a bathroom or anything in the... You said there were a couple of rooms, right? There's a, a room just not too terribly far off from the main room. I say not too terribly because it's probably about 10 feet. And there does appear to be a, um, there's a toilet, a loo in there. There's no sink with running water or anything? No, ma'am. Well, before we leave, I think it's worth considering we don't know how long I'd be gone or if this is uh, the last leg of this particular trip, so... Uh, considering what we're up against, uh, I think it's worth taking a full inventory of everything that we have at our disposal. Weapons, trinkets, artifacts, whatever, books, stern words, uh, anything we can. We've acquired a lot of things that that didn't fall into our possession by coincidence. So um, things like the uh, the flyswatter that we got from Bandari and like, you know, I will produce the the rods and my gloves. We should know what we have. Um, we're also going to need to know, obviously, if Robert's going to be running around getting travel supplies, what we're lacking. Right, right. So uh, let's let's get an idea of what we have. We'll start uh, pulling stuff out and you know, making inventory. Now, with the chest, I know there was a bunch of stuff that went back to New York, but I'm pretty sure there was stuff that got left behind. I'm looking at my notes for it right now. This would be a good chance to... Inventory a little bit, yeah. If you've um, got anyone else here has notes on what may or may not have been sent back. The, those sessions were long ago. Mm-hmm. Well, so while we're looking around, I will actually uh, say, oh, and I figured out how uh, Ton Kerr was able to keep those uh, fire demons under control so well. The, uh, oh, yeah. The spell to summon them, uh, to summon them is much easier if the summoner is able to sand in a fire. Um, this ring that I pulled from her body makes that possible without burning yourself. That is interesting. And uh, I guess I don't know how else to explain this, so I guess I'll say it plainly. Um, After uh, Maeve and I escaped the police station, we took refuge in a a glen outside of town. And while we were cleaning up and resting, we were visited by what I can only describe as uh, God's emissaries of them, at least, of Bast and Yig. They shared a what bit did, with us. What did these emissaries say? 
while they said the timelines have moved up pretty dramatically, we have less than a week to prevent this travesty from happening now. These people are apparently against the wall because our actions, clearly, and they kind of, I guess they're looking to send the world off a cliff in desperation. Then I guess we better start uh, thinking about moving here. There's a village that we were told about between here and the mountain, a, a tribal village of the Kikuyu people, uh, Kenyatta's people, told me about them as well. There's a chance that if we share our, our plight with them and what we know the solution to be, there may be some among them willing to assist us in completing the ritual, perhaps. But it would be... That'd be nice. Well, it would also be paramount that we protect them at all costs, even at the expense of our own lives, if it means right. completing the task. So I guess I just want to make it clear now that I have no intention of misleading these people. Our, our fight is their fight. And I think they should be given a chance to protect their homeland. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so there's a mask in the in the books. There's still a mask um, and a bowl. A, 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 I, have it as, I have it as a singing bowl? Is, it a sing, is that what? Singing oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a bowl. A and a mask that are still in the uh, the the trunk. Everything else went that I'm aware of. And I, there's a couple chronometers still, but I don't know if those are any use. They seem to be telling the exact same time, just as they were. Right. I don't. Uh, it's interesting. So they're not even planning on using that anymore. Mm-mm. I mean, likely because we dismantled all their cults. Right. You know, we might be able to uh, sell those to uh, raise the funds we need to outfit the rest of the expedition. Yeah, since we don't need them anymore. Who had the fly swatter? You have that, right, Jack? Yeah. Okay. And I don't have any nifty arcane items, so uh, all I have are my guns. Well, Minari made it pretty clear that that thing is special. Yeah. Anything? I look around. Anybody have anything else? Just the books. Oh, and my staffs. And your knife. Yeah, my knife. Um, the doctor has the has the bracelet now, right? He does. The yeah. doctor has a bracelet. And the lizard. <laughs> the cage. <laughs> right. The creature in the cage. And it's sleeping. It's just chilling, right? It hasn't really done anything. Mm-hmm. No. For now. Oh, God. We're probably not going to have any more time to study. So, Robert, what are you thinking as far as supplies? Uh, we're going to need clothes. We're going to need um, probably some climbing gear. Some, of course, tents. We don't know how long we'll be out here. They say we've got a week, but I don't even know how long, how far away this place is. Won't know anything until our guide gets here. I don't know if you want to wait for the guide to help fill this out because my uh, my camping skills are a little out of date. Yeah, he might have a better idea of what we'll need to. Okay, so I guess what we need then is to find money. That's what I'm saying. We saw those two uh, chronometers. I mean, we could probably get some money from that. I point at the mask. That thing freaks me out. You've you've used it before, Maeve. Is this thing going to be of any use to us? What? Point mask? At the mask? No, I don't think we're going to need the mask unless anybody wants to play roulette with the gods. But I don't think we should leave it 
anywhere for somebody to accidentally put it on. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, some of these things you're going to have to go with us anyway. I'm just trying to figure out if there are things we want to, you know, pack on the journey or pack for packing. Oh, yeah. I mean, we can set that back. Okay. What about this bowl? I think it was a ritual bowl. So that can go back to. I also have Tonkar's knife. Does this does this just seem like a murder blade or does this thing seem <laughs> kooky as well? Does it have any writing on it? Like when you when he offers it to you, you feel revulsion. Like Oh. Nope. Oh. Okay, so maybe maybe we don't. But I'm I will sleeping. like lean like over and kind of like from far away, like eyeball it to see if there's any writing or any things on it. The keeper, our trip has been mostly funded by Carlton Ramsey, right in the estate of Jackson Elias. Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay, so I probably have some extra cash on me that I had been carrying anyways. Because I mean, you are rich. I know. Yach. Um, anyway, so so for the for point of clarification, I came with $350 in cash on me. That's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. I probably don't have that much anymore. I probably, I'm sure I've probably spent some. So I will pull probably the last hundred I have out of my satchel. $100 is like insane. Well, we need supplies. Your boot? Out of my my boot. (laughs) My red boots. That's bra money. I know it. And I I slap it on on, on dessert table. Uh, yes, there's a table. Okay. I slap it on the table. Will this be enough? Should be. Robert, you're concerned that it's likely to shift the local economy. That's a lot of money. I I think we only need like $20. No, I, don't, I think it's more than that. I mean, we are outfitting for, for a half a dozen people at least. There's a knock at the door. I just watched Jack to see how quick his gun comes out. I'm not pulling the gun out yet. I uh, I go to the door. Yes. You hear a a man a, a man's voice, uh, fairly steady. I understand you're looking to take a trip. You may need to know the way. All right, we'll let him in. All right. So let me get two things first. One is the description of the knife, because that was asked for. Her knife is not a knife. It's a meat cleaver. Oh, okay. The handle is made of what looks like twisted wood. It's a single edge blade, and there is a symbol etched into the side of it. I would offer you anthropology or appraiser roll. I could also offer you a Cthulhu mythos roll. Oh, I have a lot of anthropology. I also have more Cthulhu mythos. Okay. That is a 9 out of 45. That's pretty good. When you see the knife displayed before the guide arrives, uh, you notice that there is a symbol that's been etched into the side of this. This symbol is for a deity you have heard about called the Small Crawler. It matches very much the statuary that was down there which is sort of this half animal, half hybrid um, mutated being. 
Um, your Cthulhu Mythos role being what it was, um, you remember that there are links that sort of link up with a, a lot of the same sort of deity descriptions that Nyarlathotep has. That it could be perhaps an aspect. It's just not simply something you want to touch. The guy knocks on the door. Jack, you open the door after hearing mm-hmm. his voice. So you see a, a gentleman in his probably mid-40s, perhaps a little older. He is fairly tall, probably about six feet. He's lean, not lanky. He has a fairly weathered face and um, close, very, very close-cut hair. He isn't wearing... um, he isn't wearing any sort of robes or or any sort of traditional canyon clothes. He's wearing a what you would, would likely see a lot of um, colonials wearing, which is khakis and that sort of thing. But all of his clothes are all fitted, like purpose fit. And he has like a backpack and a walking stick. Greetings, I'm, I'm Jack Doyle. Sam, Mariga. He extends his hand to you. So you're to show us how to get to the uh, mountain? Mm. He looks around and you see the rain is beginning to let up. Do you mind if I come in? No, absolutely. Come in. He steps in to the already packed house. I see. um, (laughs) I see Johnson gave you uh, one of his finest. Oh, yes, absolutely. The only the best. Mm. Hello. Greets the rest of you. Hello. It must be Sam. I will step forward and put my hand out. I am. As am I. It's good to meet you. He shakes your hand. He takes off his hat and nods to you, Maeve, and you, Lillian. I nod back. I understand that you're looking to go somewhere. Yeah, we're actually just uh, taking stock of our supplies and find our stuff uh, lacking. Well, at least there's some wisdom here in the room. I point at the $100 bill. <laughs> ah, yes. Yes, money solves everything, right? Well, it certainly helps. Money gets stuff. That's what we need right now. Right. I, um, I assume you may have a shopping list. Or at least you've begun to think of one. Let me um, put yourself in my hands and I will get you the things that you need. One of the things that I have found most prevalent about um, foreigners who come here and they go on trips is they tend to carry more things than they need. Speaking of which, is there uh, some place that we can lock away uh, our excess inventory? I have a flower shop in Swahili town. I can keep it under guard. That would be most appreciated. Right. So... If I am going to guide you where you need to go, we have to get a few things understood. Yes? Mm-hmm. The trip you are making is dangerous. You already know that. But what I am to teach you of is the things that you do not know are dangerous. The flowers we pass. The animals. 
including rhinoceros, gorillas, things that will not fear you. We are going into their home, not yours. There has been a great many people traveling this way recently. They have done so on foot. We will be doing this journey on foot. There are no roads. There are barely footpaths. And, well, before last night, I might have suggested that we could get some horses. But even the horses do not do well in this terrain. And at this point, the police will have corralled most of them. What police there are left. I think you should see this. He takes out a sheaf of paper from his pocket, unfolds it, and puts it on the table next to the $100 bill. And it's a written description of people that the police in Nairobi are looking for. And many of you match some of these descriptions. Who doesn't match these descriptions? Um, the doctor. That's about it. Um, they wouldn't have Sam's description because they think Sam's a police officer. So I'd say everybody but the doctor and Sam. They, they at the top say that um, there are Americans here that they're looking for and they believe that there's a witch amongst them yeah not wrong that is probably the first thing you pick out Miss Lane is that your name is on this like my actual name like uh huh like Lillian Lane like you know the rooms you book under your name at the hotel oh Daddy is not going to be pleased. Does it look like Sam wrote this, or does it look like he got this from the police? Like, is there a letterhead? It looks like it's from the police, but there's no letterhead. Oh, okay. This is like a um, a posting that would probably go to like a newspaper to be replicated, like in a mimeograph or some other type of printing machine. Yeah, well, luckily they don't have a newspaper right now. <laughs> yes, um, it says that they're that the group is wanted in the connection of the fire at the Nairobi Star and the explosions at the police station and potentially murders at the hotel at the Hampton House Hotel. Does it mention the train? No. Okay. See, now this is some bullshit because we know that there's police there who saw the attackers. All I know is you're a bunch of white, bunch of white people that are causing problems. We're going to blame everything on you. I'm, I'm going to look at Sam. Can, can we keep this? Of course. It's Lillian's first wanted poster. I feel like this is like a <laughs> momentous occasion we're gonna hang it up on the wall when we get back i put it into my dry i put it into my dry tube it's very funny but except that it will make things difficult well which is why we're not going to be uh, moving around too much for most of us on the contrary we're going to be leaving as soon as possible yeah it's just that we're moving out of town i will secure one pack animal cattle something easy that can move it will have enough to carry our supplies, tents, various things. I will collect the supplies. If there are specific things that you need, if you could all, he sort of looks around, if you could all give me a rough idea of the type of ammunition you need. Right. We'll make a list. Quickly. Yeah. I mean, we have a general idea of what everyone uses. So. One other thing, you're taking us to the mountain at- I'm assuming that we'll be passing through, you say, was it in Doru? Doru? Doru village? Would not normally pursue that path. 
it is nearby, but we wouldn't go there normally. Well, we need to on the way. All right. And I want to also, as far as supplies go, what? how far is it from Ndoru to the mountain? Not terribly far, perhaps a day or so. Getting to Ndoru is going to be five days. Well, we may have someone with us when we leave. So I would say account for that as well. Someone? I thought he said four people. Oh, did you say four? I don't remember how many he what said. What are we talking about out of character? The if when, they when they told us to go to the village. Mm-hmm. I thought they said four people. Mm-hmm. They said you would have to gather people there for the ritual. Oh, okay. So we may have several people. Mm-hmm. Allow me to amend my statement. Um, I would say we we might be traveling with more people from that village. Traveling where? To the mountain. You see a, a big sort of toothy grin splash over his face. The people of Ndaro do not go to the mountain at all. They fear it. I understand that. And they should. They have every right to. But they... I don't really know how to say this. They may want to help us with what we're doing at the mountain once they know what we're doing. He sort of looks a little in disbelief. I know how it sounds. These are strange times. Well, then allow me to collect what you need. He sort of collects the $100 bill. (laughs) Mr. Mariga, before you go, can you add one item to your supply list? Just one? Well... It's a particular item that's not that's that's not weapons. If you can procure a wig. A wig. Mm-hmm. And if you cannot procure that, you can find some hydrogen peroxide or ammonia. Perhaps you could enlighten me with the purpose. So I can look a little less like me. Oh. Well, we have many stunning fabrics you could use as a head wrap. If you could find me one of those as well, that would be great. Very well. I'll get with Robert to make a list of the other stuff. So the climbing gear, um, the tents and bedrolls, whatever we need for travel in the underbrush. Uh, and I guess I'll defer to, you know, Mr. Mariga with anything that we're missing, or are we overthinking this? And I'll just kind of hand him the list. Looks up and down the list. I don't know that you're... Um overthinking it, I guess I have a couple of other questions. I don't want to know why you are going to a mountain that no one should go to. I understand why you're going to be fleeing Nairobi, but the stop at the village is very curious. It takes you off the path a little bit. How soon are you hoping to get to the mountain? Well, we need to get there as soon as possible. Depending upon whether it is between four to six days to get to the mountain. If we press our path hard, I might be able to get that to closer to four than six. But it will be an arduous journey. We will have to keep pace. We'll do what we have to. It's important. We don't really have a choice. You remind me of someone, someone that was here years ago. I pray you do not end up like them. There's a slight difference. We're not here to embrace it. We're here to burn it. He says something in Swahili. For you, Sam, he says, 
it never ends. The white craziness is all the same. <clears throat> he turns out, walks out the door. I'll be back. Be prepared to leave in an hour. I'll go get us some food. What? Uh, I turn to Lillian. Hey, um, that book you were uh, dealing with earlier, weren't you reading it on the train? I was. Didn't you leave that on the train? I don't remember. It's all a little fuzzy. Come to think about it, I yeah, I, I don't remember grabbing it off the train, but it was with the luggage when we arrived. What book is this? You can't have it. You have enough books. Whoa. I just wanted to know what book it was. Um, I, I pull it out of my satchel. I pulled it out. It's got a yellow cover. I have anything else on it? It's got this probably. I my it has a symbol, right? Does it have the the king and yellow symbol on it? What's that? Does the, the book, book have the king and yellow symbol on it? No, no, I heard you. Oh. <laughs> What's the king and yellow symbol? Um my gosh, I can't remember. It's the little swirlies yeah, that kind of look like a stick man. Is it? Mm-hmm. Have you seen the yellow sign? I haven't. No. It's probably a good thing. What she shows you is a yellowed cover mm-hmm. of a book, right? And it says the king in yellow, like in block text, uh, almost like Times New Roman block text. And it says a play in three acts. So no symbol. Do no. I see a symbol when I look at it or do I see it the same way? You've seen it before. Yeah. Oh, so I see the symbol. Don't you see it? It's right there. <laughs> I point at it. Um, no, it's, it's a plague. Oh, it has, it has the most wonderful story. And sometimes you can, when you're reading it, you can hear the violins. It's like you're right there. Just so you're all aware, like when Lillian explains this, like her vision gets a little like, she gets sort of starry eyed and she like looks off into the distance. She looks really captivated by explaining this to you. Lillian, are you okay? I had the book open. I had opened the book Mm -hmm. and I suddenly slapped the book shut. Shake my head. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm fine. It's just a really great story. Dancing and, and violins and I look at Jack and I shake my head like no. No no not okay. Then <laughs> I put the book back in my satchel. <laughs> I'm so glad I went to get food. <laughs> As am I. I've never heard the King in Yellow mentioned, right? Like in any of my other books? Um, or do you want me to roll Cthulhu Mythos? <laughs> I mean, I think it's worthy of you rolling Cthulhu Mythos. I, but I don't think any of my other books, unless I came across it in the Nom Nomicon. Nom Nomicon. No. It's a cookbook. Um, that is 12 out of 45. Okay, so hard success on a Cthulhu Mythos roll. I would say in all of your studies and all of your time, mm-hmm. you have heard of stories of a play uh, that was linked back in you know a couple hundred years ago in France and there was some disturbing happenings after the play was put on and supposedly 
all copies of this play have been burned. Okay. Supposedly. Right. But for for your knowledge, Maeve doesn't understand what the reference to right. the king in yellow is. Right. Like you don't you don't have the connective knowledge to understand what it is. Well, that's why I was, that's why I asked cuz I'm like I don't think any of those books would have talked about that at all. Like I don't think I've come across anything that would, you know, but I do know it's not okay and she needs to just keep that book in her satchel. Keep it in your sack. <laughs> yeah. Well, cuz I'm not going to have her lose her shit by trying to take her book from her cuz cuz you can tell by the way she acts like that's that's not a book you take away. We're gonna put a pin in that. Right. <laughs> We're gonna put a nail in it into the floorboards. I'm gonna honestly bet that you can't take that book away. Oh no, probably not. It's been tried. So a couple of things happen after this. The guide comes back in a little while. He you you sort of hear the movement of animals outside before you hear the knock on the door. But he comes back with a couple of basically beasts of burden that have been laden with what looks like tents and likely food rations and boxes and that sort of thing. Um, Sam, for your part, getting food in town is not difficult. It doesn't need to be a scene though, just FYI. It's just it's just you collecting food. Um, the guide Sam brings back water as well. So has there are decanters for water, and he mentions to you that um, we are heading into a rainy period here in Kenya, and so we will likely want to make sure that we collect water as we go. Um, he recommends that um, you all be careful on the road especially when it comes to insects and small reptiles and those sorts of things, which could prove problematic. There is one thing I'd like to procure other than the food. Of course. What is it? A, a, a can of kerosene. Sure. Okay. That's it. Okay. After some food and preparations, the group is going to make its way out. You walk out of Nairobi, hopefully, to a, a better future long term. Um, there is no paper during the day because, of course, the newspaper has had an issue. By the time you are getting to the end of the road outside Nairobi, uh, it's clear that the police are working with the colonial authorities to enforce order in Nairobi. Uh, But the road ahead is not something that is going to be easy either. Um, Your guide says that there are really two paths that we could potentially walk. One will take us close to the, we'll skirt the edge of the mountain itself. And that will be easier Uh, As far as time goes, it'll be harder on the pack animals, but maybe easier long-term. Or we can stick to the lowlands. And if we stick to the lowlands, we could probably make just about the same amount of time, sort of not as a forced march, but 
just continuing to keep our pace. So then we'd want to go with the low ones, wouldn't we? Ideally, unless you're particularly willing to do a lot of elevation changes. Well, if we don't have to, I guess we don't want to be, we don't want to risk uh, injuries or. Oh, well, uh, there, there will be that risk anyway. It's, uh, unfortunately, it's unavoidable. And all of you can tell that Sam is, is moving at a, 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 not a hustle, but just, just under it. He's physically trying to move faster. Luckily, you've all managed to get some sleep, which is good. Cool. Um, it is raining, uh, and the doctor is along for the ride as well. Obviously, he's not here, but clearly he's with the group as well. Sam says the, the, the big difficulty with the mountain directly is that you're going to get forest antelopes. And you might get leopards. And they will not be shy about trying to make you dinner. Uh, but we will get to see a chance to see um, what the uh, British call the uh, Arbordaire Forest. So the this it's named after uh, Baron Arbordaire, and um, it's special. He says, "Special. It's a special place." The further and further you go along this trip today, you realize that the temperature is doing something that you were not expecting it continues to drop. Like you get under the cover of some of the trees here and you realize that the humidity has come up, but the overall temperature drops. So instead of, you know, being hot and wet and uncomfortable, it's more like it's temperate and wet and kind of sort of uncomfortable. There are, you know, canopies and stuff like that that you get under to to get under some of the rain as well. Um, and you see all sorts of different wildlife here. You can see not far from where you're at now on some of these plains, you can see different uh, mammals, just different elephants. There's all sorts of stuff. I'll uh, take some pictures here and there. You know, particularly interesting pictures. Yeah. Okay. Um, he mentions that um, along the path, we'll need to be careful of cobras and puff adders. No, we don't. Yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about the uh, cats out here either. I, I will um, I will stay concerned about them. Okay. I give him a healthy pet. He looks uncomfortable. He looks worried. You see a few forest antelopes, Jack. And... Um, and even on that first day, too, near the end of it, you catch sight of a big wild hog. And they're a little, not scary, but just yeah, big tusks. <laughs> and as you get into some of the, the deeper parts of this forest, you start noticing some of the different trees. So you get giant cedars and olives and camphors and figs. And they thrive here. So these are big versions of basically everything. Um, it feels like being in a movie. And then you realize it's real life and that's really scary. Uh, Sam says that the, uh, the mountain itself is 4,000 meters. So it's a climb. I hope you're prepared for a serious climb. 
Oh, these these people love climbing. You have no idea. Almost as much as we love throwing. Touche. You travel probably for six to seven hours. You use every single moment of available light. And so to do so, I'm going to have you all make constitution rolls. We're just going to assume that the doctor passes. 25 out of 50. 47 out of 60. 19 under 55. 85 out of 95. Uh, 30 out of 62. Okay. So the group keeps up, which is great. Um, Sam Garrett doesn't press you too much that first day, but he does tell you that if we're going to make time, that next day we travel, we're really going to have to push ourselves. He doesn't have any, seemingly have any issue keeping pace. Um, and when you finally make camp in part of the forest that night and you get sort of surrounded by the symphony, which is Arbor Forest and all of the different insects and all of the different creatures that exist out here, um, he spins a few tales of old. You hear about some Kenyan legends which are just fantastic tales of how people came to live in the area, how civil, their civilizations grow. And you hear about, a, you hear a tale of the black wind, which is timely. Um, and he talks about how many of the villages that used to sit and root here at some of the bottom of the mountains here to use this land that is so, uh, it's so wonderfully fertile um, that mm, in ages past, the cult would, the wind would come down from the mountain and bring with it people who were here to despoil the land. It talks about all manner of infectious diseases. They would wither crops. He tells you a story that they could curse people from a distance and that there's a woman in a village not too far from here that supposedly was cursed by the cult recently and that she can barely speak anymore and you get that sense that Gary is really he's afraid of that cult yeah, with good reason the food isn't by any means um, it's, it's not Hampton House Hotel, certainly, right? Um, it's a lot of, like, food cooked over a campfire, but it's filling, that's for sure. And he encourages people to eat. As we're eating, I'm going to nudge Jack and say, so, um, you ever going to go back for Reggie? Oh, I have a feeling Reggie, we might see Reggie again. If we get done with this and Reggie's still alive, I'll make sure he's not. Like out of all everybody we found, we hate Reggie the most. I know. Well, yeah, that's fair. Actually, your guide is going to ask what happened. Like he's not deaf. Oh no, no, I'm not. Yeah, this is like dinner conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Reggie, who? Reggie, uh, Reggie was working with the cult in Nairobi. Cult? What cult? Cult of the bloody tongue. Shh. He puts his finger to his lips. Don't mention them by name. 
He looks around. I'm just eating and smiling. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you notice something. Hmm. The insects stopped making noise. I stopped smiling. Well, that's so settling. I pull out slander. Hmm. Put him down on the ground. Your guide seems to look at very funny at the snake for a moment. And then realizes that it's a non-venomous snake. That he seems to look at it twice and then sort of go back to his food. After a few moments, the the insects pick back up. But there was a definite change. Be very careful. They can hear you. Eyes in every forest and tree. Well, it's not like they don't know we're coming. That's for sure. I mean, you said you didn't want to know what we were doing. I think I know what you are doing. I mean, if you didn't want us to say the name, you wouldn't have asked us who. Confirmation's important. If Kenyatta believed in your purpose, then it's good enough for me. Put a lot of faith in Kenyatta. I have faith that he will revolutionize this place. He's a man of vision. That he is. That's why we have to stop at the village, find people to help protect this whole continent. Ndovu, the village. Mm-hmm. Do you know any Swahili? I don't, but Sam does. He looks over at you, Sam. So you already know. The village. You know what? Well. Name, it means elephant. There are a um, group, a small group of elephants that uh, the village care for, feed, make sure that they have proper grazing. They're not pets by any means. I cannot think of someone who would be wild enough to keep an elephant as a pet. But the people love them. They are simple creatures, as most of us are. You will see them when we get there. He sort of leans back against a root of this thick tree you guys are parked next to and lays back. Of an early morning, we'll leave before sunrise. Okay. Turn in. I have a wonderful question, and that question is, who's staying up? Slander. <laughs> Just slander? I don't Not the first night. No? Okay. No. Assuming that the group will sleep in shifts, who's going to wake up early? I can do that. Okay. I won't belabor the... Um, it's a catnap. I won't belabor the story here with common D&D parlance, but we'll say that the group is manages to get some rest, uh, sleeping on the ground or sleeping in, in basically in camp, you know, bags and that sort of thing is a little different. It's not as uh, fancy as you're used to, Miss Lane. But that's okay because you manage to you know, break your monotony up by reading uh, one of your favorite books. 
over and over again. It's important. It's got your name all over it. Um, before sunrise, Jack, you are uh, tapped on the shoulder. Hmm. It's time to get going. Right. Start getting people up, ready to go. Um, I am keeping an eye out for jungle cats, by the way. It's probably a good idea. Um, you, the camp was not disturbed last night. And it looks like the type of canopy that the guide set up allows him to basically collect rainwater and moisture. He says that the process is pretty critical to being able to continue to move without stopping for water. Mm -hmm. But once we get clear of the Arbor portion and we get into the open plains, we won't have that luxury anymore. Also, any fire we might set to cook will be a beacon to anyone who might be looking. Day two is brisk at best. Uh, the uneven ground here in the forest is difficult for the pack animal to get through. The guide is an excellent animal handler, but even he struggles to get the process going. We'll make a animal handling roll for him. Yeah, which he passes. Um, helping out in this part is a little hard because unless you've really dealt with animals, uh, it's way easier for you to just get in the way. Um, but by the middle part of the second day, I'm going to have you all make constitution rolls. Forty-six out of fifty. Yeah, twenty-two out of sixty. Okay, I uh, got nineteen again out of uh, fifty-five. It's fascinating, Robert. Forty-four out of ninety-five. And Sam. Uh, seven out of sixty-two. It's constitution, okay. right? Yeah. Yep. So the second day goes pretty well, all things considered. You do not stop for lunch. Uh, anything you want to eat, you sort of have to eat on the move. And by the second day, you've mostly cleared this section. Um, you are beginning to see a direct rise in elevation. That's really what the constitution roll is for because it, it gets real, the, the incline begins. And you can see in the distance, mountains. The mountains are so tall that you see clouds collected on top of them. The guide points out, begins pointing the way where you'll be going. And he, he tells you that um, once we clear the National Park range here, uh, we'll dip down a little bit off in elevation. And he said, be prepared to um, lengthen your left leg and shorten your right and sort of he almost makes a dance of it and you can see that because of the elevation and the wrap of the mountain you're going to be basically walking sideways mm -hmm. which he seemingly thinks is funny I pay very close attention to what he's saying yeah uh, it's necessary um, so you clear that portion of it and you see what he's talking about and after about a good 20 minutes, 
everybody here is basically done with walking like this. It's it's Irritating. it's horrible. To your left, as you walk this path, though, you see an enormous mountain range sprouting up directly out of ground. Like it, it's a really steep incline. And he points it out as uh, Mount Kipton. It's a um, sister to the mountain where you're going. At the foot of that mountain is where we'll find our village. Now, let's make camp. I know you said that uh, you're doing this because Kenyatta said, but I'm just kind of curious if you have an idea as to why we're here. What did, did something happen? Did you lose anyone or did they take someone from you? Did you know that I run a flower shop? No, I didn't. Some of the most impressive uh, botanicals and petals around. Kenya is a awash with beauty. I run a flower shop because my wife is missing. And she has been for the best year. We were sleeping in bed one night. Someone came into the house and took her. His face sort of scrunches up. And he relaxes. I, uh, I was not strong enough to stop them. They beat me. And I nearly died. I, uh, I'm sorry that you've had to suffer. Everyone suffers. I'm sorry that you had to suffer them. But if she's there, we'll find her. If she's there. That's all we have. He produces a handful of figs. Figs are good. They'll help sustain you. Well, we could always use that. Don't eat too many. Keeps you pretty regular if you do. <laughs> I think back to that, uh, that laxative that I fed that guy in the alley and I kind of chuckled to myself. I'm sure he thinks about karma. <laughs> As we are under the open stars, no lights. No lights. No lights. Let your eyes adjust. If something comes close, I will deal with it. I need you to make me a promise. What? That while we're out here on this journey, and as long as you are with us, you will not cause harm to any cat that we encounter. Well, I don't believe I've ever been asked to not harm a cat. There are leopards here, though, and they are dangerous. I understand that. I'm simply asking that you stay your hand, and if I am unaware of them, to make me aware that they're there. Please. He looks at you, Maven, and says, and should I promise not to harm any snakes? It's probably a good idea, actually. Um, you don't have to make such promise, but I mean, if, uh, if you do harm one, I, I can't guarantee any good luck. And you, Miss Lane, do you have a favorite animal I need to be aware of? Oh, I like horses. Understood. Well then, let us get some sleep, shall we? He leans back. This time against like the angle of the mountain to use as a backrest. Man, he can always find a backrest. He's a guide. He probably scouts places based on backrests, right? Oh, that's a good backrest. We're at a camp right here. We're at a camp right there. Look at that backrest. Okay. 
who's sleeping, who's staying up? I'll stay up. You're going to stay up. So moving forward, because it's, you've been traveling now more than a day, the person who stays up, their constitution roll is a hard roll automatically. That'll sort of um, mix up the pot a little bit, I think. Mm -hmm. And as your friends doze, Robert, you get the distinct impression after a few hours that there is definitely wildlife here on the open portion of the ground. It's hard to see, but it's not impossible to hear. And you can see shadows maybe in the distance move against some of the backgrounds. The moon is not as helpful. It's about close to a new moon. Why don't you make me a hard spot hidden roll? Oh, I'll certainly try. <laughs> I will spend seven points of luck to make that a 32 out of 32. Okay. Well, that Which would be my heart. My spot oh, okay. is a 65. I got you. So. Okay. That's super helpful. Thank you. Yep. Okay, uh, so it isn't what you see in the sense that it is what you do not see. Looking up at the sky and the stars here, there is a fair amount of starlight that you get. Um, but as you're tracking things and listening for things and being attentive, you see the stars in one spot wink out of existence for just a moment and then one's more to the left and then further to the left and some back to the right reappear something's flying maybe maybe you watch it happen a couple of times it moves back and forth over the campsite you can't really make it out because it's obviously it's pitch black up there. But the stars dim. I'll nudge Jack awake. Yeah. Something up there. I point up. I, uh, I'll stare into the sky. Him With him pointing it out and your spot hidden what it is, there's no role necessarily required. You see the visual phenomenon he's talking about. You see stars dimming. You see something up there moving in effect. But it's got to be big. Or it's got to be close. And you can't hear the wind move. You have dealt with creatures who fly before. You've dealt with hunting horrors. You've dealt with, in some ways, flying creatures in Egypt. You hear their wings move because they displace a bunch of air. You're not hearing anything. So whatever's up there is more floating than flying. Maybe. It's a little unsettling, though. I'm going to get out my uh, my fly swatter thing. Okay. I don't know how it's supposed to work. Maybe I just wave it around. A cult or anthropology. But that's not something... I mean, you have a cult, Jack, but... I don't know. I could roll it. You never know. I think that I'm going to let you roll it. I mean, you've got an awful lot of luck, so if it goes wrong, you can just... Yeah, right. Blow all kinds of luck. I'm not blowing that much luck, though. <laughs> yeah, my uh, five occult skill. That's fantastic. Yeah, no. That's a 43 <clears throat> over five. 
You're sleeping. You're sleeping. <laughs> you wake me up. Right, Maeve. Just, I, what's yeah. this thing do? Maeve. Maeve. <laughs> Are you going to wake me up? Yeah. Oh. I don't sleep. know how to use this thing. Okay. You should shake it and see if it's magical. Why Why are we going to use this? I don't know, because there's something flying above us. Kind of. Does it have a heat signature? Yeah, because you can you can spend for the vision without having to spend the... Right. Did you check uh, the battery? Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Okay, so here's... Backwards. Um, you look up, and of course you activate the predator sight. And when you do that... Oh, my... <laughs> Your eyes start to glow. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and so there's now in the campsite, there's a person, you know, with a, a sh- basically a, a hood on. And there's two enormous, like, golden eyes inside of it. You look like a fucking Jawa. <laughs> yes. I'm stealing everything. <laughs> um, but you look up and there is a heat signature up there and it's big and it's wide and it looks like it has two big wings okay like is it like dragon shaped is it like ray shaped is it like um let's see here so they do sort of look like dragon wings i guess a little bit like dragon wings but they're smaller than that so relative size of the beast that's up there is well, size is 90. But it doesn't look like the winged things that I have a spell for. Contact winged things or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You can summon Biakis, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what that is. Oh. But here's the problem then. So that's a Biaki, which means what? Uh, there's a caster nearby. Well, someone summoned it. Yeah. It's talking to somebody. Yeah. And even if there's no... You don't see like a, a you don't see like a, a person sitting on the back of it. Okay, then I start scanning the planes. That is where things get worse. <laughs> you start scanning the planes and, and up and around and you realize that there are three or four of these things hanging out on the high cliffs around here. Okay, um so the fly swatter, what does it do? <laughs> <laughs> you want me to roll a cult? You're gonna begin looking at the fly swatter? Yeah. Yeah. Turn off predator turn off my beacons. <laughs> Be a beacon. Um, that's a ninety one out of ninety seven. That's a successful roll. <laughs> you know that Bandari said that it could find and resist evil forces. He mentioned that to you, Jack. Okay. Um you have a feeling, Maeve, that this is sort of a, a focusing device for someone's whoever's bearing it, it's it's sort of a, a focusing for someone's will so it would help someone resist like uh your um dominate commands Mm. like it would naturally make them more um i guess stronger against uh, having their will deposed but given some of the working here on the swatter the this whisk itself um this likely could help shed any sort of obfuscation done to a particular area. So if someone had cast an incantation to hide something, this could be used to wash that away. Hmm. Okay. It's going to basically help protect you and your mind from like being influenced. 
by other forces. It'll also like help you see hidden, like if a caster's hiding themselves or if they're hiding something, if something is like a hidden entrance or something like that. Basically anything that has to like, that will trick your mind, that's going to help you with. Okay. Okay. So it's not going to be a lot of use right now. What is going on here? Well, unless, the guide's voice. Un- unless the caster is hiding nearby because if there's, well, there's, there's actually like four of them. There has to be somebody nearby. Four of what? Have we come across them yet? Biakis? Um, our group? Well, okay, so... Because I read about them because I got the spell. Yes, you did. And Sam knows about them because he had a book where... Right. Yeah, the Grey Journal. Yeah, the Grey Journal. Uh Uh-huh. So the two of you know about them. Uh Uh-huh. But he can't see them. He has no idea that they're up there. You're the only one that can actually see that they're up there. Right. I don't know that Sam's awake just yet. Well, close. I was just wondering if, like, Jack seen them so I could tell him what they are. Um, Jack may have saw, um, he may have saw Omar get shot off one. Okay, so that's what, Omar, okay. You know the flying thing Omar was on? What? What? Yeah. There's four of them? Well, there's one flying and watching us, but there's a couple other hanging out. In the cliffs. I got to level with you. I really don't know what to do right now. The guide sits up. What is going on? I would see if you can um, maybe see the caster. Okay. I mean, it's dark, though, so I don't know if you're going to, but I don't know that it's a good idea to take them on. If they're just, like, watching us, we, we let them watch us. There's too many of them. I mean, unless Lillian can just one-shot all of them, like she did with Omar. You don't have your predator set up anymore, so you do not see this. Mm-hmm. Sam, your guide is still looking for some sort of explanation about what's going on. Quite oh, did I wake up? Down. Yes, you eventually wake up to all the talking. Okay. But Sam is is the Sam the guide is up, and he is trying to figure out what the two of you were talking about. You hear. In the distance, a noise that sounds like something being taken somewhere against its will. You hear a yelp, but the yelp is not from a small mammal. It's from a large mammal. And you hear sort of this baying, roaring sound. It's a pained sound. It's not something of of aggression. It's something of pure fear. Where's our horse? Or pack pack animal. The pack animals are nearby and and spooking at the sound of this, and you see like fear over the guide's face. Don't move. There's something, something hunting out there. There's something hunting here. Yeah, Sam. It's the things that remember we talked about the whistle. The biaki. Yeah. Four of them. Yeah, I very slowly uh, pull my gun, cock it, get <laughs> Okay. Just in case, you know. We're in brush lands right now? Is that what, or plains? Mm, plains, yeah. Yeah, just open plains. How tall is the grass? Mm, six to maybe eight inches. There is an enormous rumble distance. It is not thunder. Does it sound like a stampede? It does not. No. 
but you feel the the vibration on the ground. It it's there for a moment, and then eventually bleeds away. Uh, I look at our guide, and I I try to in an effort to remain calm. I will look to him and say, "Keep the animals under control." He steps over to them and begins very carefully trying to calm them. I'm going to continue to I guess now that other people are up, I'm going to look around. I'm going to try to wake with up Predator Lillian. Sight. You're going to try to what, Jack? Wake up Lillian without, okay. you know, startling her. And she's not I'm assuming that. I would have woken up with all the noise yeah. and stuff. So. <laughs> are they watching us or are they or are they hunting? Um, both. Uh, so Predator Sight Lady, um, that's something that everybody here is going to have to sort of get their head wrapped around. In fact, um, who here hasn't seen that? I've used it. Um, I don't know times. that I've ever but seen like, it. But like actively used it in front of your investigating companions? I know you have in front of Sam. And the doctor. Yeah, she did it in uh, Shanghai yeah. in the warehouse. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't think you've seen that, Robert. I don't no. think I have. Roll sand. <laughs> oh. uh, that's an odd nine under 79. Okay. I don't think it's enough to take a point of sanity from you, mm-hmm. but I'm going to leave you with the knowledge that one of the people that you are partnered up with looks like she has glowing golden orbs in her head. And like her eyes are not, they do not look natural at all. I'm I'm not gonna lie. After um, several several weeks, well, uh, at least a cup a few weeks of uh, um, close contact, um, I already know that she's got some issues. Some, <laughs> some, <laughs> like more issues than the Amazing Spider-Man, but um, it hasn't been created yet. Um, so you kind of get an idea of what's going on, Maeve, and it is not. It doesn't settle your stomach in any way, shape, or form. So there is an enormous heat signature on the ground over there. Mm-hmm. And there is a Biaki on top of it. Okay. And then the other so that are nearby begin to fly down and join it. Yeah, they got some giant beast and they're eating it. So they're not necessarily looking for us. Right now, but somebody—they don't—they don't just exist. Somebody summoned them here. Is there anybody nearby that you can see? Not that I can see. I mean, there's someone who lives on this mountain who would definitely benefit from having these things nearby. Right. So, allow me to leave you with this tonight. The group is able, at least in some way, shape, or form, to get the animals, these water buffalo pack animals that you're using to transport all this gear to, to calm down, to settle. What becomes more difficult is hearing whatever it is out there being eaten. And it takes a good long while for them to finish. And that's where I'll leave you tonight. So thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Masks of Nilothetep. 
We greatly appreciate your listening ears, and we won't even apologize if you were eating. Thank you, and good night.